Morning, partner. What do we got today, Gray? 25-year-old Caucasian female, Tracy Calloway. Same as the other? Same as the others. Bloody hell. Join homicide detectives Dean Tidwell and Grayson Copeland as they delve into the darkness that their city welcomes with open arms. As they search for a serial killer known only as the Gray-Eyed Man from slaughtering his next victim, they put their jobs, families, and lives in jeopardy, only to learn there's more than one. Read it all in David K. Montoya's book, Through the Eyes of Madness, available at mythmart.com and where books are found. This book is not for the faint of heart. Consider yourself warned. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome to a brand new episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I'm your host, Kevin, and joining me today is, I want to say as usual, but over the last couple of weeks, it's been usual, my son, Elijah. How's it going, bud? It's going good. Good. How was your day today? It's it's going, it, it's good. It's good. School? Sh- sucks. School is awesome. School sucks. You do like some classes, though. And I only have one of the classes I like today. What was that? Filmmaking. Filmmaking. How's that class going? It's going good. You're learning how to make movies? Well, right now we are learning some more of the audio side of making them. That's one of the most important sides of making movies. Yeah. If you don't have the audio. Without audio, as my teacher puts it, without sound, movies are boring. Well, yeah, unless it's a silent film, which was made with that in mind. Some of them can be entertaining. Yeah. Um, Some of them are really good. Um, But thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for checking out the show. If it's your first time here, welcome. Thank you. Make sure to hit like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Um, Rate and review the show, too. That really, really helps us. And another thing that really helps us is if you share the show. Sharing the show um, helps get us in front of more ears and and more people listen to us the the it's just awesome it's just awesome when more people discover us so definitely check us out um on today's show we're gonna be talking actually quite a bit of disney stuff disney related stuff not disney per se but disneyland adjacent stuff a lot of stuff owned by disney we'll be talking a lot about that um we're also going to be talking about um couple movies we watched this weekend or one movie elijah watched with me and another movie i watched this weekend um so yeah it's gonna be a fun time uh so let's actually start with those movies um friday um for those of you that don't know dungeons and dragons honor among thieves is now on paramount plus to stream um we finally had a chance to check it out we watched it friday night um so just real quick, my history with D&D isn't as deep as some people's. I played it somewhat during high school. But other than that, I'm not a diehard or anything like that. I generally don't play it, not for any reason, just because I just haven't gotten on board with the campaign or anything um, with friends or anything. Um, we are talking about starting a family one, which will be starting soon. Elijah will be our DM, DM per se. Per se. No, he'll be good. He'll do great. Um, but yeah, I mean, as someone who's only played it a couple, you play D and D, yeah, right. Um, when uh, you have your, do you guys still have your Friday night campaigns? Uh, they've been far and few in between. Few and far between. Our DM hasn't really been able to get on at all. No, uh, what about that campaign you were making? Has still it... working on it, but cool. we haven't really been able to play it because our old DM wants to join us for it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. 
Yeah, that seems really cool. You should do that one. Um, but for well, what did you think about the D and D movie, The Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves? What were you, what are your thoughts on it? It was a really good movie, and it definitely felt like it was just you and your friends getting together for another night of D and D. Yeah, no, absolutely, one hundred percent. I felt that too. I think it had a really cool. Like one thing I did really like about it was it felt like, you know, when a DM sets out to to start a game, to to start, you know, to do the campaign, a lot of times, you know, it is, you know, you have to think on your feet. You have to, it's luck of the roll of the dice, right? Like yeah. sometimes things happen, sometimes don't. And if something doesn't happen, you have to think of a new way as the player to get around that obstacle. Um, and I feel like this movie captured that really, really well. Um, there were times when um, little spoilers for things coming up, but, you know, one of the small examples that I could think of is remember with the mirror where they're trying yeah. to get from one place to another and the mirror like falls. Right. And they can't. So they have to figure out how they're going to get in there from there. Um, that really felt like a D and D type thing that you would do in real life. Um, you know, Oh, you roll the die, doesn't hit it right. Oh, well, that's not going to work. So what are you going to do now? Um, See, me personally, I would always do the not so smart. I would always do the not so smart thing of explosion. Explosion is always a good thing. Um, 100%. Um, yeah, no, so you can do that. But no, I thought it really captured that spirit really well. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um the same directors and writers did Game Night, which was a movie we watched a couple of weeks ago. It was um, a good movie. Yeah, it was a really funny movie. Like, that's one of my favorite comedies in a long time. Um, and I felt like they brought a lot of that over to this. Uh, I like to think of this movie as those characters in Game Night playing a D&D campaign. And the filmmakers decided to turn that into a movie. And that's what I feel like it is. It feels like it has that kind of humor. It's just like just a bunch of people just hanging out, having fun, you know, playing on a game night, you know. Um, but yeah, I really, really I highly recommend that movie. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely, definitely check it out. The cast is amazing. Uh, Chris Pine, um, arguably, arguably the best Chris, you know. Eli shaking his head, but he's not sure what to think of it. You got Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. Um, I'd, I'd honestly say it's a tie between Chris Evans and Chris Pine, to be honest with you. Um, and they both have a history with uh, World War World War II kind of stuff, right? Like Chris Pine was was uh, uh, what's his name from um, Wonder Woman? Steve Trevor. Ah, that's right. Yeah, but that was World War One, right? Yes, yeah, that was World War World War One. Cap, of course, World War II became a hero then, and and uh, got frozen and was was released onto the world. Um, For seventy years later, seventy years later, yeah. So I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. Who's the best Chris? Who's the best Chris in your opinion? Let us know. Um, I love to know what you all think. Um, another movie I got the chance to watch this weekend. Uh, it's this movie is now playing on on, on Amazon Prime is Air, the Ben Affleck-directed movie about Nike and... The uh, Air Jordan series. And the Air Jordan series, yes, and how they essentially courted Michael Jordan to get them to come, to get him to come on board for their new shoe. Um, this movie was interesting uh, for, for a couple reasons. Number one, um, we live up here in Portland in the Pacific Northwest in a town called Beaverton, um, which is a which is where Nike headquarters is located. We live in Nike country up here. Um, and it's uh, it was just really cool to, you know, it's really cool to watch a movie like that. And you hear the place where you live, you know, because it's like literally the story takes place right down the street from us, essentially, maybe like 10 minutes away. Um, I thought that was really cool. I thought that the, you know, it was one of those movies where we all know the ending too. Like we all know what happens. We all know they eventually get Michael Jordan to come to Nike and Air Jordans. Like everyone knows what Air Jordans are. Um, but Even, like it works its way through everything, yeah. including pop culture. Miles Morales is, yeah. it's a shoe of choice. Yeah. No, Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan in general is one of those figures that transcends 
anything like I, you know me i'm not a sports guy yeah. i don't i don't care but i sure as heck know who michael jordan is and like i know just how amazing he is like what makes him special what makes him michael jordan um so i can appreciate that but it's like the man himself the shoe is just as influential in the world and um it was kind of a you know i feel like it was kind of a uh you know give and take on both parts on nike's part and on Michael Jordan's part, because I feel like the shoe endorsements by Nike helped elevate Michael Jordan to a certain level and vice versa, right? I feel like Michael Jordan helped elevate Nike to a new level. Um, what the movie portrays is this, th- there was this bidding war, right? So like everybody from, you know, Converse at the time was the shoe of choice for basketball. Um, people like Larry Bird weird. were, yeah, like, Chuck Taylor's were basketball shoes. Um, and having a sneaker on the court was unheard of, like a sneaker, especially like the Air Jordan. Um, so you had people like Converse, you had Adidas, you had, and, and Nike were trying to get Michael Jordan to come to them. And at the time, Adidas was kind of coming up too, because they had, you know, Run DMC was on their side. And Run DMC is a super influential rap group in the 80s. Um, for, I've heard of them. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, but, um, you know, all that stuff was going on and Michael Jordan was really concerned with, you know, he wanted to be part of that crowd. He wanted to look cool. He didn't want to look like, you know, Nikes at the time, Nike was known for jogging shoes. Like that was it. That's all they had. They were, you know, they made jogging, uh, which I didn't, re- I didn't know this until looking into it more. Nike made jogging a pastime. Like before Nike made those shoes, people just didn't go out for jogs randomly. Like that wasn't really a thing. People go out for walks and stuff, but actually going for jogs was became a pastime, became a thing, and they made the shoes for it. Um, the movie is super fascinating. It's got an amazing cast directed by Ben Affleck. Like I said, it's starring Ben Affleck as Phil Knight, the head of Nike at the time. Um, Matt Damon uh, plays the scout. He plays a scout who's who's trying to get Michael Jordan to come to Nike. Um, he's kind of got a gambling problem and he's, he's, he's really good with picking players um, for certain teams, but he's, he's got a gambling problem. He's not very good. And he, 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 uh, you know, you kind of see that at the beginning of the movie. So you're not sure if he's right or if he's wrong about this Michael Jordan guy. Uh, of course, now in hindsight, we know he was 100% right, but I don't think people understand how much of a gamble it was for them to do what they were going to do. Cause essentially what happened was they had a $250,000 budget to get people to come over and endorse them. And they were going to split that between five players five rookie players but what this guy did was he was like no like michael jordan is the future i want to give him all two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and we are just going to gamble everything we have on this guy because that was the only budget they had for the basketball department um and uh of course everyone at nike was like no we're not going to do that like yeah what because again, hindsight is, you know, we see that they made an awesome choice, but an amazing choice back then, like all it would have taken, you know, they even say it in the movie, all it would have taken for Michael Jordan to twist his ankle, break his ankle during a game. And that whole deal is done, right? Like everything is done. All that money that heel, deal is botched. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it took some convincing, but obviously, like we said, we all know what happens at the end. Like Michael Jordan comes over. But it's super intense because while you're watching it, you're like wondering what's going to happen, even though you already know what's going to happen. And when a movie can do that, that's incredible. Michael um, Jordan went from a mere man to a god status. He did. He did. And they even talk about that in the movie, how he is. He transcends everything else. Um, but this movie is, cast is stacked. You got people like Jason Bateman adding the, you know to the cast. Um Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker is freaking incredible. I'm so happy to see him kind of, you know, he was in, uh, so you know Chris Tucker from Friday. Mm. He was smoky. Ah. Um, <clears throat> but he's kind of worked really hard to kind of shake, shave that image. I like want to watch that movie again. Yeah, Friday was good. And you watch Rush Hour too, because he was I in agree. all the Rush Hours. Um, but it's kind of nice to see him kind of, 
he's in a little bit more of a dramatic role while still being very funny, which, you know, that's just part of his personality. He's great. You have people like Marlon Wayans showing up. Marlon Wayans, this guy has done some drama in the past, but uh, the dude's an amazing actor. He's he's a Wayans brother. He has a long history of, of um, you know, me growing up. Uh, the Wayans brothers were everything. They were on a show called In Living Color, which was a Saturday Night Live type show, which featured Jim Carrey in his debut. Um, but they went off to do their own shows and everything. But Marlon Wayans was incredible. Um, the whole cast is amazing. Uh, I would highly, highly, highly recommend watching this movie. It was made for Amazon Prime specifically, but they decided to roll it out in theaters for a month before I went there. Uh, I have not seen the movie yet, but from what I've heard, you definitely do need to go and watch yeah. it, even if you do just need to get up and go to your couch and watch it. Yeah, no, and it's Ben Affleck. My, so I like Ben Affleck, but he's really, really super hit or miss. Like he's either really, really good or he's just doesn't look like he wants to be there. Like he's bored. Um, obviously, we know he was a he was a good Batman. I'm going to say it. He was a good Bruce Wayne. Um, but, I think that our Pat did a better job. Yeah, no, I think we're talking about Ben Affleck right now, though. True, we're yeah. not debating over who the better Batman is. Um, You're right. Yeah. Um, when he's directing, though, he or even when he's working with Kevin Smith, like when he's working with Kevin Smith, he feels comfortable. It's like he's having fun. Sometimes you can tell when you see him on screen, he just isn't having fun. But when he's directing, you know, things like Argo and uh, especially Argo, Argo specifically is my favorite movies of his. The town was great. Um, and even this one, he's just got a really, really cool air about him. He's really happy to be there. He's really excited to be there and he's just having a good time. And that's what I love. That's when I love my Affleck when he's actually having fun and and doing great things. And this movie is fantastic. So um, that's what you want your actors to be doing. Oh yeah. You don't want them to feel like this is a job to them. Like, exactly. yes, like, yes, it is their job, but at the same time, you want them to be able to go there, have fun while doing their job, even if it's like multi-hour long shoots, especially if it's that. Right. No, exactly. And that's the thing. Nobody wants to be stuck somewhere they don't want to be. Uh, and that goes for everything. School. Work. work you know, unless you're having fun. Um all right, so let's move on to our next topic today. And we're going to talk about Disney Plus because Disney Plus has decided that they want to remove a book. Disney Plus and Hulu are going to be removing content from their services. Now, listen, I know it's not, you know, it's not a big deal when these companies, especially a lot of the times when they have leases with certain, when they're basically renting out the, um, I, the property, right? So a lot of the time stuff on streaming goes to other streaming services. It's perfectly normal. It happens. What's frustrating though is when the company in question, Disney, even Warner Brothers was HBO, things like that. Um, when they own the IP, when they released it specifically on their platform to get people to come over, then what they do is they take it off. Um, so earlier this year, or I believe it was late last year, the HBO Max debacle, right? You had all these shows coming off of HBO Max, these HBO shows, Westworld. Um, there's quite a few others. That's, that's the biggest one I could remember right now was removed off of the service so they can take it to other places and essentially lease it out to them. Disney Plus is doing the same thing. And Hulu is also doing, you know, Disney Plus and Hulu are doing it together because they will be merging into one service later this year. Um, and Hold up, they will. Yes, they will. Um, so just some of the stuff coming off of Disney Plus um, within the next by the end of next week, if I'm not mistaken. So we have uh, things like Turner and Hooch, the series that was made a remake of the Tom Hanks film made for Disney Plus, The Mysterious Benedict Society, um, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, um, which was another one made for the series. There's two seasons of that. Willow, 
is going to be coming off the TV series based on the film. Uh, Diary of a Future President, Just Beyond. We did watch Just Beyond, too. That was a lot of fun. A um, bunch of Marvel stuff. The uh, Marvel's Project Hero, which was a good show, too. Uh-huh. We watched that. Marvel's Empire, or M Power. Marvel's Voices Rising, the music of Wakanda Forever. And quite a few more. There's Encore. There's... America the Beautiful, Better Nate Than Never, Weird But True, Timmy Failure, um, Disney Fairy Tale Weddings, if you're into that. I know some people are. Um, Harmonious Live, which is kind of a bummer because I really love that show. Um, the World According to Jeff Goldblum is also coming off of that. Um, Thankfully, not too many Star Wars, no Star Wars, no Star Wars. And not too many Marvel um, yeah, so one of my biggest concerns when this whole thing started was uh, there's a document, really great documentary they have on the service called Howard, which is about the great um, <clears throat> Howard Ashman, who was a lyricist and composer for Disney um, and numerous other things. He it was, a you know, he did, worked on Little Shop of Horrors, but he also came to Disney and worked on The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Um fascinating story this guy is just an incredible person uh and the documentary was great fascinating so that is no longer coming off of disney plus um so i i have to i do not i think it's kind of bs to be honest with you that they're taking these off whether or not i like them is a totally different story um a lot of people pay for these services so that you can watch these things. One thing that sucks is you can't buy a lot of these on physical media. You cannot, you can't buy them. So you can't just have a copy of it that you can watch anytime. So now essentially some people who wanted to pay for Disney Plus so they can watch Willow, right? For example, well, Willow's not gonna be on there any longer. So I don't know where it's going. They haven't announced what's going on with it, what they're doing with it. Um, But I think it's a, it's a really horrible. I don't. I don't like the business of streaming right now and what they're doing. I think streaming is doing some really great things, um, but especially with like the ongoing writer strike and stuff. You know, people not being paid what they deserve for writing for streaming and things like this are really, really. You know, I don't condone pirating at all. I don't condone torrenting either, but. You know, this is going to turn more people to that. If you can find a safe way to do it, people are going to do it. People already do it, right? People already don't want to pay $10 a month for Disney Plus. So they torrent this stuff anyways. I know someone who instead of paying like $60, $70 for a game, they find a more polished and better version than what the game devs are actually putting out. Yeah. On a pirating site. Yeah. For less, like $50 less. Yeah. I know. And that's, that's what these people, that's what's going to happen. Um, I think that it's. Which sucks because these writers are not even going to get paid even less. Mm-hmm. And that could be a big reason why a lot of, I didn't even think about that, actually. I wonder if a lot of this reason is because of the writer strike and they're just not going to worry about having to pay them anymore by taking a lot of these things off of their services. Um, kind of a shysty thing to do, but um, I wouldn't put it past them. I love Disney. I love every, you know, we're, we're Disney park fans. We, you know, um, love the company. You know, there's some things though that just kind of rub us the wrong way about them. And this is one of them. Um, and of course, money is king, especially when it comes to a lot of these movie studios. Um, so yeah, the know. MCU's most most expensive movie is almost ten years old. No, I know, I know, yeah. But it's like, as I wonder how long until the Marvel stuff starts coming off, rolling off. How long it until the Star Wars stuff? Oh, I know. I'm talking about their main like series. Like, think about Loki, right? Like Loki, Loki better not come off. Loki could come off, you know. They if could Loki decide off, that we are storming Disney headquarters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Season two is gonna gonna play out, considering Kang was supposed to be a huge part of it. But um, we got a premiere date for that, which is in October, um, and they're also going to be dropping all episodes of Echo 
at the same time. So Loki's going on a week by week basis and Echo is going to be dropped all at the same time. I believe it's October 26th, if I'm not I mistaken. I thought it was November something. No, it's October something, I think. Um, I don't know. I didn't really prepare for that aspect of that. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think about these services taking all this stuff off? Uh, I think it, like for most of it, I like some of it I've seen and from what I've seen of the shows and if there's any movies on there I like, but for the ones that I haven't seen, I can't really say much other than it's a probably going to really benefit Disney in some way. Oh yeah. Well, at the same time, not benefiting because as much as they want to pay to give others i mean not pay but as much as they want other companies to pay to put their shows on their services mm -hmm. people aren't gonna like like that no they're not they subscribe to disney plus for certain shows and if they take off those shows they're just gonna lose subscribers which means they're gonna lose money yeah 100 percent um, and it doesn't make any sense. Just a correction. Um, Loki season two drops October 6th of this year. Um, and Echo is going to be dropping. I know the best thing for a podcast is awkward silence. Um, and Echo will be dropping its entire, and of course, my computer decided to not want to work so echo will be dropping around the same time all episodes as opposed to the week by week model not sure why they're doing that um i enjoy the anticipation of a week by week release getting so excited I. to watch the new episode that's um, what i liked about the new clone war season because i was able to actually watch it as it went along yeah unlike the other seasons where i was too young to watch them as they came out so, so you watched them all on netflix was it yeah, netflix it was yeah. Um, just some more streaming news real quick. Um, Futurama is coming back. Uh, they have a July 24th premiere date for Futurama on, well, Hulu, of all things. Um, it'll be the 11th season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, probably like... Not the, too bad. No, I mean, it's kind of been off and on for the past, for a long time, since the early to late 90s. Um, the show's kind of been got canceled at Fox and kind of like the family guy effect where it just kept on coming back. Um, even though I do think Futurama is a better show than family guy. Um, and I will go on the record by saying Futurama is a better show than the Simpsons. Um, are you okay? I'm completely okay. I've always been on the record that I've always, I feel like Futurama is more a Matt groaning show than anything else. I feel like it's more, um, what he really wants to make, even though The Simpsons, I know, is, but I feel like he's a part of a bigger group of people over there who kind of want to do their own thing. Whereas Futurama, I really, really feel like it's his baby 100%. Yeah. Um, so that's I respect your opinion, but I personally <laughs> you disagree with it. Yes, I do. No, understandable, understandable. Um, so yeah. That's coming back uh, for another season. So we'll see how that goes. And listen, I understand some of the reboot stuff oh, hasn't been tough. great for Futurama. Um, especially if it sucks, then rewrite. Yeah, there was a, a run during the, I believe, I want to say it was the early 2010s, I think, where they came out. No, I think it was before that, the early, like mid 2000s, when they came out a series of like four direct to video movies that were actually just like each movie was like four episodes stitched together and it just seemed really odd and bizarre that they would release them as movies um so yeah those uh if you're a fan of futurama you have a lot of stuff to look forward to with that um or not or not or not because depending on how good it is it might not yeah who knows um so let's talk some numbers real quick so I'm just going to go down this list without saying what they are real quick, um, because there's been some interesting developments lately on the, uh, again, very, very much Disney adjacent. Um, and of course, see, this happens now. My computer doesn't want to load, um, which is awesome. Uh, it's great for research and podcasting and all that stuff. Um, 
So I was going to go down the numbers, but let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny a little bit. Um, so listen, it's still early. People can say what they want, but it's still super, super early. Um, most of the time when movies come out, you know, especially if a movie premieres at Cannes, like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny did, the, the studio, especially a month before its premiere in theaters, generally the studio will have a good feel of the property. They have a good feeling about it. They're excited about it. They think they have something amazing on their hands. In Which the, when it comes to Disney, it's not always the case. Um, I mean, their Marvel stuff recently has been more hit or miss. The Star Wars stuff, the live action movies, like most of them for me were above like a fifth, like a five out of ten. But there were some of that, like one of them wasn't very good. This one, like some of their Lucasfilm stuff, it hasn't been very good. Right. This could change that. This could be better. But at the same time, this could be so much worse. It could be. Um, so we might be living in a world very, very soon where Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull might not be Me the worst, worst Indiana Jones movie of all time. Listen, I actually enjoy Crystal Skull. I think it's fine. I don't, I don't hate it. it. I think it's a perfectly watchable Indiana Jones adventure. It is missing a lot of the matches, a lot of CGI, a lot of sheen to it that I didn't really care about. Um, wasn't horrible, but it came up 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which one had which Roundhouse? Is it at who? Roundhouse. There's no Roundhouse. Or the character. Short Round? Yeah. Sorry. That was Temple of Doom. Sorry. No, don't be sorry to me. Say sorry to all the nerds out there who are listening because that's... It's been a while since I've seen that movie. I don't even remember that movie very well. I'm yeah. sorry. No. Okay. So um, Crystal Skull came in at 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right now, currently, we are sitting at a 47% Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes for Dial of Destiny. Uh, I think that's with 30 reviews so far. When it came out of Cannes, it had like 14 reviews and was sitting at like a 42, I think. So it's going up as more reviews come out. Um, but uh, it's a little bit disheartening. You know, James Mangold, I have faith in James Mangold. I think James Mangold is great. He directed Logan. He directed Ford versus Ferrari. If you go back into his his you know filmography more you got things like copland girl interrupted um this guy has just directed a ton of great movies and i refuse to believe that he made a bad movie with this i'm still very very excited to see it i am not one to generally listen to critics when the reviews start pouring out okay there are some that i really trust and some that i'll listen to but in the most part if i want to see something i'm going to go see it Indiana Jones is one of those that I'm definitely going to go see no matter what. I don't care what the Rotten Tomato score is on it. I don't. I just don't care because it's an Indiana Jones adventure, and you got to go see it when it comes out. It's Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. So, um, you know, that's always a plus. That's always great. And I think, listen, I could be eating my words here, but I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be good at least. Even if it's not great, I'm very curious how they're going to send off, send them off, you know, from the front. This is supposedly as the last one. Much as I don't like seeing Harrison Ford or any of his characters die, I think that the, him dying is one of the only ways they could send him off. I agree. I agree. It's the only thing that makes sense. Except for in Force Awakens. I did that man dirty. Yeah. Spoilers for a nearly eight-year-old movie. Exactly. Um. But yeah, no, I don't know. I think that these scores, you know, I think a lot of people kind of have it out for anything Disney puts out, anything franchise specifically, um, especially when it comes, I know this isn't Marvel, but especially when it comes to Marvel, um, 
that stuff gets super ridiculous with the fanboys and the just it it gets insane. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still really excited for it. Um, it comes out June 30th, so a little bit over a month. I'm excited to check it out. We'll see what happens. Um, and I'll certainly, certainly have a review for you guys as soon as we see it. Um, which will probably be opening weekend, yeah, if not the weekend after. Yeah, certainly will be. Um, so let's talk about our last topic today, something that I know you're very sad about. Very, very sad because you never got to experience it. Not very, but I am slightly sad. Tell them what we're talking about. The Galactic Star, the Disney Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel is closing. So I think when you say hotel, you underestimate its power. No. Yes, you do, because it is an experience. Is it it is an event? It's not just a hotel that you can go stay in for one night. What it is, you have to stay there for two nights minimum. And there are events that you do inside of there. You can go to the bar. You can do lightsaber training. You can... They're quote-unquote real lightsabers that they promised us <clears throat> never came. No. It's a hotel. It never did. Um, so this thing... So for those of you who don't know, Galactic Star Cruise is exactly what we, like we were describing. It's this new uh, interactive experience at uh, Walt Disney World that they decided to open and it's an all-inclusive like it's like you're going on a galactic cruise that's kind of the gist of it that's kind of the whole thing behind it and you have to stay at least two nights and you get to experience what it's like to be on an actual star cruiser in space you can even get dressed up they have costumes you can wear you can be a secret you know they can turn you into a secret spy you know you can you know, do little events around the around the whole ship. It's a fun thing. It's a it's a, it's a great thing, and it's a really, 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 really cool idea. And at some point, it, I sorry, I don't know when this happens, but Ray and Kylo have a fight on the ship. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, really, really cool idea, but not for a Disney park resorts. Mm-hmm. Um, because. So let's say this, right? So you're paying about $4,800 to $6,000 per cabin um, for this for this um, event, right? So depending on how big your family is, things like that, you might be paying more, you might be paying less. Um, yeah, depending on the number of people in their party. So you go to Disney World, you pay this $4,000. Let's say you go on the low end. So you pay this $5,000 to stay for two nights. But then you're essentially, if you're going to pay that $5,000, you want to experience what's on that ship, right? If I'm paying $5,000 for a hotel room, I better be getting a lot with that. But I'm not at a Disney park to stay in a hotel for two days and experience what's there, right? Like, that's not why we go to Walt Disney World. Why do we go to Walt Disney World? To experience the park, to experience Walt Disney World. Right. And even so, like, we have resort days, right? Yeah. Like, remember when you went to Disney World early last year? We had two res- a couple resort days where we just hung out at the hotel, went to the pool, just had fun, right? Just, yeah. just hanging out there. But the last thing I want to do on a resort day is wait in a line to do an event in my hotel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This whole thing just seemed bunk from the beginning. So, I don't know if any of you guys listening remember this, but Back in the late 2000s or late 90s, early 2000s, there was this thing called Disney Quest, which was Disney's attempt to bring Disney to the masses, to people who didn't live on either coast, who couldn't make it to the Disney parks. So they created a thing called Disney Quest, which was, and I hope a lot of you guys are familiar with GameWorks. We went to GameWorks. I am. Yes. This thing was a massive, it was bigger than GameWorks, though. It was like four or five stories high. Um, I only know what it is because. When your aunt, my sister, Nicole, she's in the Navy. And when she graduated boot camp, it was over in Chicago. So me and and your grandpa and my dad, we went to Chicago to go to her graduation. It was just me and him. And, I, you know, we got a chance to hang out with her. And in downtown Chicago, there was a Disney quest. I really wanted to go. Um, so we went. 
you buy like a ticket or like a swipe card, you get, you know, unlimited plays on all these things and everything like that. They had really cool interactive stuff. So they had like a, they had a, a space mountain simulator Ooh. where you can literally build your own roller coaster. So you build your own roller coaster and you can ride it in this kind of 360 screen and it had this rotating chair and it felt like you were moving. It was a motion simulator, but you create it and you go wild, right? It was so much fun. They have an Aladdin magic carpet, like VR ride, um, all kinds of cool, like, you know, it was it was a really, really fun, you know, it didn't completely capture the Disney magic, of course, because it's all like virtual reality and stuff, but it came pretty close. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a blast. Each floor was themed to a different part, like almost like an adventure land and a, you know, you know, sci-fi, you know, floor, all kinds of stuff, like a Tomorrowland type thing. Adventureland, um, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland. Yeah, it was like, like that kind of thing. Um, and they also, they did have one in the, um, not downtown Disney, what is their? Um, Disney Springs. Disney Springs. They had one at Disney Springs as well. Um, but again, you didn't have to, you don't have to stay at the park to go to Disney Springs. Like you could just go to Disney Springs and, you know, it's just like a big shopping center essentially with some cool things there. Um, the Coke building. The Coca-Cola Coke building. Jacques Lindsay's, Edison's. That's a lot of great things. They have a really cool Lego store too. Gideon. Oh, Gideon's. Yes. Um, Gideon's is fantastic. Anyways, back on the subject. Um, So what, you know, so that, that was like a really cool thing that they brought to the masses, but you didn't see them at Disney parks. Like it wasn't something that like you go to the Disney parks and you're like, you're going to spend all day in this arcade. Um, that's what Star Cruiser felt like to me. Like, it's a really, really cool idea and concept. But you build one in, build one in Chicago, build one in New York, build one in Oregon, Washington, build one in these places that don't have easy access to Louisiana. Disney parks. Or Louisiana, like well, New that's, Orleans, to be yeah. specific. But like... You build these kind of events and these these kind of um, inner experiences in places where you're not generally going to go to go to a Disney park per se, or you don't have access to it. Because how cool would it be if they just built like an interactive experience like that in, again, like Seattle? You know, when people would cool. go to Seattle, you know, for the for the um, tourism industry, for all kinds of people, that would be a good thing. Jobs, you create all these jobs. And then you just take it, you know, you build one in, again, Seattle, Chicago, New York. Uh, people will go to these things. People will spend money to fly to Seattle to check out the Star Wars Interactive Hotel, the Star Cruiser, so to speak. I won't fly. I will get in my speeder and go yeah, over it. Exactly. And like, I just don't, I, I thought it was a really, really dumb idea to begin with to put it in a Disney park. Super expensive. Didn't really make much sense. Like, like I said, I, I, I've talked to numerous people about this too, and they all agree it's a really cool idea and it would have been cool to experience, but no one's going to Disney World to stay in a hotel for two days. Disney World's expensive. It's not cheap. I can't throw down an extra $5,000 just to stay in a hotel for two nights, right? You do get like access into like Galaxy's Edge and stuff like that. And the rest of the park as well, but yeah, uh, Hollywood Studios. But that's really it. That's really it. And um, yeah, I, I it, so anyways, it's shutting down. It's shutting down in September. Um, they're taking their last voyages over the summer, and then it's pretty much at the end of summer, they're closing down shop. Uh, no one really what I feel like it might have been slightly more worth it if they included like a everything else in it, like food yeah. and stuff yeah but they didn't no they didn't neither because Dis- neither to do disney cruise lines which is a whole other topic for a whole other other podcast. time let's do it <laughs> another time i can get into it i think i could get into it i think our audience is good <laughs> but um yeah so RIP galactic star cruiser i don't know what's going to be in your place i don't know if they're just going to try to retheme it to something else or just i think it'd be really cool if it's just a star wars hotel yeah just turn it just keep it a star wars hotel like without the exuberant price for it like 
it's just a Star Wars hotel. Like that would be cool. Like I'd go stay there. So would I. But I'm not going to spend that much money to have to do all these events and stuff on the ship just to feel like I'm in space when, you know, listen, I know it's all about illusion at Disney World, but I know I'm not in space. If I want to spend that much money, you better be taking me to space. The space ride and the space restaurant and Epcot do a better job at that. What was the space ride called? Uh, I don't remember. Mission Earth? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun ride, too. The um, Orange Mission was really fun. The Orange Mission was the best. Although, although Ellie and Mom were don't really like it. Ellie did good with it. Yeah, she did good with it. But she said afterwards she... She would go on it again, but she didn't really like it. Sort of like me and Tower of Terror. Which we'll be getting on again. Well, we're getting on Mission Breakout. Mission Breakout, it's a totally different kind of experience. Same ride system, yes. But very different experience. More colorful, more fun. I like to do it around Halloween time when they have the monsters after dark. that, That I would get on. Yeah, that'd be cool. You see Baby Groot and Rocket. Fight a monster. I'm cool with that. You mean you guys don't see Baby Groot and Rocket? Why? Because you have your eyes closed? Yeah. Why do you have your eyes closed? You just know it goes up and down. I know, but I don't really like it. I'm weird. Uh, You guys can judge me all you want. I'm weird. I know that. And I embrace it. You know, I miss Tower of Terror a little bit. I love Tower of Terror, but I... I like the idea that you have a Tower of Terror on the East Coast and you have Mission Breakout on the West Coast. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, and I like how soon I don't think that it'll it'll be happening within the next couple of years, but Disney might be building their a Avengers Campus expansion over on the East Coast. Eventually they will, but we know the deal with like yeah, uh, Universal the, and stuff over there right now. Yeah. So they can't really do a whole lot, even if they did. Um, I say, though, just keep Avengers Campus at Disneyland and then eventually, or at California Adventure, and then... Like, work some of the characters into some of the spots over there. Yeah, at some point. Like, they don't need a whole land, but maybe, like, a couple rides here and there. Yeah. Like, sort of like the Tron Coaster. They have their own little separated part of the park. Absolutely. Like, yes, they can have, like, a small little thing over there, like an outreach program or something. Mm-hmm. But they don't need the full campus over there because that would take away the experience from California Adventure. Yeah, that is very true. Um, so before we wrap up here, uh, we are going to wrap up. Trust me, guys. You won't have to listen much longer. It's okay. We're almost over. Um, the uh, I want to talk about a really cool Lego set that they announced today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. So it'll be a couple days old by the time you guys get it. But they announced a really, really, really cool Pac-Man arcade set, um, which is go- it's like a tabletop arcade. Um, part of the Icon series. It is, how many pieces was it here? Yeah, so the pieces are two thousand. I know it's two thousand five hundred and nope, two thousand six hundred and fifty piece set designed for ages eighteen plus. Measures about twelve point five inches high, ten inches wide, and seven inches deep. Uh, comes with interactive pieces that give it the kind of vibrancy and energy you'd have if you were standing in an arcade with your middle school friends on a Friday night. Um, yeah, the set looks really cool. It kind of has the you same know, functionality. I do that with my friends one day. Yeah, you have no idea how cool that was back in the day. It was really so legendary. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I believe it has the same functionality as like the Mario set, where it has a little knob on the side and you can make the characters move and all kinds of stuff. Um, the set's really, really cool. Um, it does bring back all that nostalgia of, you know, playing an old pac-man arcade game uh looks really cool it's a pretty big set too which is pretty neat and it's not too expensive for how many pieces it is um it's actually not bad it's 269.99 um now listen i didn't say it's not expensive at all i just said it's not bad for the pieces that you're paying for and for the ip as well pac-man it's a classic 
so I know people out there are going to be really, really excited about this set. The set comes out June 1st to LEGO VIP members, and everyone else can grab it June 4th. So if you're a LEGO VIP member, that's us. That's us. And it's listen, if you guys don't know about the LEGO VIP program, it's it's free. It's super cool. You get points for everything you buy. You get, you know, the points add up to be, get you know, if, yeah, discounts. Like you get up to, you get massive amounts of discounts on your future purpose purchases. You I have said that was basically free to yeah. him by using points. Yeah. You can use all kinds of stuff. So yeah, definitely check that out. They also have like, you know, with certain points, you can enter contests and stuff and win really cool prizes and sets and all kinds of stuff. So definitely check that out. Just head over to lego.com or your local Lego store. They can get you all signed up. Just Lego VIP program. Um, certainly check it out. But yeah, a lot of cool sets coming out. The um, other one I'm really excited for is the Lego Batcave Shadow Box. That is That thing looks cool amazing. Uh, that thing comes out June 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's going to be another really, really cool uh, set. So the summer is going to be stacked with a lot of Lego sets. I still have some that I have to build. Um, so we're going to be building those as well. Can I help you build some? Oh, yeah. Right now I'm building Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Um, then we got to build. Uh, we have still have the Diagon Alley. We're waiting on mom. Yeah, I'm waiting still. on mom still for that one. So um, that one will be really, really fun to put together. Um, We've had that for how many years now? A long time, a long time. Oh, no, like a, about a year. I got it at the same time we got the Daily Beagle. Oh, yeah, that wasn't too long yeah. ago. No, wasn't that long ago. Um, so, yeah, guys, check out lego.com. They have a bunch of cool stuff and events. And also check out the Pastrami Nation podcast every Tuesday night at seven o'clock we have a live stream so we will be talking about all kinds of stuff one week we have a lego brick therapy and the next week we have a lego or just a regular pastrami nation podcast where we just talk about pop culture news and events and movies and whatever we want to talk about on that and also check out my dad's new podcast that he started with a bunch of it with a couple of his friends called geek galaxy yeah thank you thank you for that yeah that's a really really fun one too talk on geeky stuff nerdy stuff and all the stuff all the stuff you get here um but just a little bit a little bit different you know people have different personalities and that show's just a lot of fun they're both a lot of fun so um thank you guys for checking out the shows uh especially this one we really really appreciate you uh if you could leave a comment like um subscribe let us share know what you guys think of the friends. show share this with your friends uh you can find me kevin hoskinson or kevin underscore hoskinson i can never remember which one is which on tiktok facebook instagram um all that fun stuff and elijah is only 16 so he won't be giving out any of his social media information at least not the yet. podcast yet um i don't even have that i only have tiktok and discord yeah that's all you need that's all you need that's yeah. all you need all right, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and as always, stay nerdy, America. And have, have a, a good day, good night, good morning, whenever you're watching this. Yeah, bye.